0: Well, when I was a child, I had one of the greatest things ever in our basement. It was a ping-pong table, and it was one of the greatest things ever because it was where my father and I spent a lot of time just, just bonding. We didn't do a lot of talking, at least not communicating. We did a lot of trash talking, um, but not a lot of like deep conversation, but it, it didn't matter because we were just hanging out, and we were playing, and he'd come home from work. From Kodak, i said, say, hey, Dad, you want to play ping pong? we go down in the basement. And uh, once we got to where we were kind of like equal competitors, we started keeping track, like long-term track. Like every month, would be writing all the scores down. Who's won the most games? And we'd go back and forth, and we'd take a break, eat dinner, and say, hey, Dad, you want to go play some more ping pong? And that's just, what, that's just what we did, and those were some great times uh, with my father. But having played all that ping pong, I got kind of good at least good enough to hold my own playing with my friends and I remember one time in college a buddy of mine and I decided to enter the doubles ping pong tournament the college was having and so we were surprised when we got together that we weren't that bad in fact we made it to the finals but we had watched the two people that we were going to face in the finals and they were really good I mean they were really good there was no way we were going to win so we were just playing for second place, but we thought, you know, we'll play anyways. So the finals started, and you know, they, they got a point, and my buddy that I was playing with, just a nice guy, his name was Jim, he was like, hey, that's a good shot. I'm like, all right, he's complimenting, them fine. And then my buddy hit a bad shot and made the guy chase the ball and goes, sorry, sorry about that, he starts apologizing. And then the other guy hits a bad shot and my friend says, don't worry about it, you'll you'll do better next time. And he kept doing this and doing this. And the more he did this, I saw the more irritated that guy got. Now, I wasn't always a Christian. I liked to win. And when I saw a weakness, I went for it. And so I started doing the same thing. I started apologizing when I hit a bad shot. I started complimenting when he did a good shot. When he hit a bad shot, I said, hey, man, don't worry, you'll get it next time. This guy started going nuts. We irritated him so much, he actually started fighting with his teammate. They started arguing with each other. And while they were busy arguing, they weren't noticing that we were winning. In fact, we won the tournament. We won a tournament we had no right winning because we learned the great truth that if you can divide, you can conquer, right? Now, this isn't anything new. In fact, Satan has used this skill for many, many, many years. He knows that if he can divide a marriage, if he can divide a family, if he can divide a church, he can conquer. And I think that's why there are so many scriptures in the Bible about unity. And I want to go through a few. And let's go to the first one here. This is from the Book of Psalms. This is Psalm 133, and this is a song that the psalmist is actually singing. He says, "Oh, how good and pleasant it is when brethren live together in unity." And then the next scripture is actually Jesus praying to His Father, and what does He pray? Go all the way to the bottom, it says, Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them, he's talking about his disciples, protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. It was so important to Jesus that he's praying about his disciples being united. Let's go to the next scripture verse. This is Philippians chapter two, verses one through two. This is Paul talking about how unity is a sign of Christianity. He says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. And then we get this next scripture, which is just a beautiful Description of the early church. Look how unified these people were. It says, Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one claimed private ownership of any possessions. Can you imagine that? But everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, the big question, the money question of the day, is why should the Oak Ridge Free Methodist Church care about unity? Well, here's the simple answer. I don't know if you've noticed, but God has been doing some pretty amazing things here in this church. And not just with one specific group of people. God is working with everybody. We're seeing life change with our children. We're seeing life change with our teenagers. We're seeing it with our adults. We're seeing it with our married couples and our singles. We're seeing it with people who are divorced, people who are divorced and remarried. We are seeing life-changing kids that have two parents at home, one parent at home, no parents at home. God is reaching everybody, and it's exciting. It's exciting because God is doing it, and we get to be a part of it, right? We get to be a part of it. But here's the deal. Because we get to be a part of it, God wants us, I believe, to be good stewards, to be responsible for what he's entrusting us with. And Satan does not want that. Satan's not happy when you dedicate babies, when people get baptized, when lives get changed. So he wants to do what? He wants to destroy. And how does he do that with the church? Through division. So it's really important that as a church family... We are unified, and we focus on unity. So I want to look at a scripture today. It's actually going to be 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 2. It'll be up on the screens, but you can follow along in your Bibles. But I want you to pay close attention, because as we read the scripture, there's two things that stick out that are necessary if we're going to have unity here in the Oak Ridge Free Methodist Church. So let's read 1 John chapter. One, I'll start with verse one. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testified to it, and declared to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, if we say we have fellowship with him, While we are walking in darkness, we lie. And we do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... He who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. All right. so what is the first thing we need to do to make sure our church stays unified? It's simply this. We need to get rid of our sin. Now that's a key word there, our. Because folks, it starts with us. It starts with me getting rid of my sin. It starts with you getting rid of your sin. We have to get rid of our sin if we want unity. Because if we don't, then we don't have fellowship with one another. Now this is difficult because we'd rather point out other people's sins. And we'd rather say, you know what? We'd have unity in this church. We'd have unity in this family. We'd have unity in this marriage if that person would just get their act together and stop sinning. You see, that's more fun, because by focusing on other people's sins, we can just forget about our own. But you say to yourself, well, Pastor Chris, that's because my sins are so little, and theirs are so big. Well, so says you. But the Scriptures tell us that if we say we don't have sin, we make God a liar. And that's not what we're supposed to do. But here's the good news. Because we have sin. If we go to God and ask for forgiveness, what does he do? He forgives us, and then he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, which makes us ready and able just in case he wants us to help somebody else with their sin. Now, the scriptures use a great illustration about, and it talks about how pull the plank out of your eye before you pull the speck out of someone else's eye. I don't work with wood very often, so I've got a different illustration I'd like to use with you. Um, do you ever notice when people are walking around and they're wearing shirts but their tag is up in their collar? you ever notice people's tags up in, in their collar and you just you just want to go up to them and say, and maybe not say anything, you just really want to go up and just put the collar tag back in, right? Well, how weird would that be if you were in the mall and you went up to a stranger and like, uh, excuse me, and tried fixing their tag? They might be a little disturbed, right? Maybe, especially if, they look to see who's fixing their tag and you're sitting there with your shirt and your pants on inside out. (laughs) So they're sitting there going, okay, so you're giving me fashion advice and that's how you look. Folks, that's what happens when we say, oh, 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 no, there's no unity because my spouse, my family, my church, they're sinners, I gotta go fix them. And you just sit there with your own sin doing nothing about it. What we have to do is clean ourselves up first, right? You clean yourselves up first. And then, and then, here's the deal. You say, well, Pastor Chris, don't we help other people with sin? Yes, you do. But let me tell you right now, you don't go looking for it. Because let me tell you, talking to someone about their sin is not fun. Okay, it's not fun. In fact, a lot of times it does not get received very well. So what you have to do is A, you have to clean yourself up first. B, you have to pray, Lord, I have a spouse, I have a family member, I have a brother or sister in Christ, and there's this sin they're committing, and my heart is breaking for them because it's hurting their lives, and I want to help them. Is this something you want me to do? You ask God first. And then if God gives you the green light and says, yes, I want you to do something, then you pray, Lord, what do you want me to say? Give me the opportunity. B with me. You see, Mark and I are really good friends, so if Mark is walking along and he's got a tag sticking out of his shirt, I can go up to Mark and say, Hey Mark, you got a tag sticking out of your shirt and he'll say, Oh, thanks. Because we have that relationship. And then maybe you'll say, Uh Pastor Chris, your pants don't match your shirt. Oh, thanks. Because we have a relationship. Folks, that's what you gotta do. We've got to develop a relationship with each other so the person you go up to and say, Hey can I talk to you about something? I'm concerned for you because of the sin. They know you're coming with an attitude of love, not divisiveness. And they know that you're there to help them and that you're there to care about them. And they still might not receive it well. But folks, when we forget about our sins and we start pointing at other people's and we start judging, we start dividing the church. And we lose unity And we we lose the ability to be used by God to make a difference. So get rid of our sin. That's number one. Here's the second thing we have to do. We have to stay on the message. Stay on message. This is very, very important. All this stuff that we read in the scripture, what did you see that that was in common? What did they talk about? They talked about Jesus. How they saw Jesus. How he died on the cross to pay the price, an advocate, not only for our sins, but the sins of the world. How if we confess our sins, he'll forgive us and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. They stayed on message. Folks, this is our message. You see, some churches are divided because they get off message. Let me give you a crazy true, but a crazy silly example. There once was a church board that bumped heads with each other, ready for this, over whether or not they should purchase, drum roll, red hymnals or blue hymnals. I kid you not, that was the fight. Some people wanted red and some people wanted blue. Now, I was not there for the fight. I'm trying to imagine what they were fighting over. I'm imagining people were going, hey, they have to be red hymnals. Because in the Bible, the words of Jesus are in red. Hello. And then the people that want a blue hymnals go, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Don't you know that Satan's favorite color is red? Hello. They got to be blue. Can you imagine that just going down? And can you imagine the people like, going down to the local Walmart or convenience store and people that don't know Jesus are listening to them and they're talking about their church and instead of talking about what Jesus is doing, they're like, can you believe they wanted red hymnals? Those people are crazy. They're going to burn. Yes, they are. And the people are just going, so your church cares about the color of your hymnals. That's what you guys, that's your message. That's what you value. Doesn't make sense, does it? Now, how do you know if you're staying on a message? Well, I think this is a great way to test it. When you're here in church and you're talking to each other, or maybe when you're somewhere else but you're talking about the church, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the message? Are you talking about Jesus? Are you sharing stories about how Jesus has changed your life? Are you telling stories about people that are being baptized and dedicated and marriages that are being fixed and kids that are being healed and All this great stuff that's happening. Are you talking about that? Or are you complaining? Are you criticizing? Are you sowing divisiveness? Because a lot of churches are. And these churches that are doing this are dividing, and they're shrinking, and they're dying, and they're closing. Folks, we don't want to be a part of that, do we? We don't want to be a part of that. Stay on the message. All right, let's go to next steps. These next steps are very, 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 very simple. As I've already mentioned uh, this morning, what's going on here is God. It's not me, okay? It's not the pastor of the church. Uh, It's not because we have chairs and not pews. It's it's none of these things. It's, It's because God is bringing people and God is using us And God is using this building and God is changing lives so God gets the glory. But we have a responsibility. We're supposed to be good stewards. So we've got to be unified. We've got to get rid of our sin. We've got to stay on message. And here's what I want you to do. Hang on to each other. And hang on to God because I'm going to tell you right now, it's only just begun. God's only just gotten started. I mean, yeah, we had... We had over 300 people in church last Easter. Okay, that's that's great. But how many thousands and thousands of people are there in this valley that don't know Jesus, that need to hear the message? I mean, I've got no idea what God is gonna do. I just know he's doing it. And I just know that as a pastor, I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm excited that I get to watch it. I'm excited that you get to be a part of it. So stay unified. Rejoice. And, and enjoy the ride until you get to heaven, because it's awesome. And yeah, and this is not correct English, but it's going to get awesomer.